Remembering world-famous UFOlogist Stanton Freeman, enriched uranium discovered inside a school in Ohio, FCC versus robocalls, China cracking down on strippers performing at funerals, sex strike, and convention news. It's News of the Week with Jason Cousineau for the week of May 18th through May 25th, 2019. I'm Eric Render-Kingfisk, thanking you for listening. Stay tuned. Uh, so anyway, we wanted to start the show, um, and with, with some bad news, um, uh, our old buddy and pal in the in ufology, and I can say that there's a good chance that there may not even be ufology without Stan, uh, Stanton Freeman. Uh, he passed away earlier this week, and um, we knew that he was not feeling well. He, we knew that he was not he was not doing well, and chances are that he would probably not make it to this year's um, uh, convention in Essex. Um, but at the same time, he was he was in his eighties, and you know once you get up past eighty, really things can hit you like blindside you. Oh yeah. So yeah, this is I can't say this is completely unexpected. No, it's just it's sad though. It's sad. I mean, it is sad. there's not much more you can say other than the fact that, and I had no idea how many countless books that he had um, written forewords and introductions to. He, his presence in ufology is pretty ubiquitous. He's he was all over the place, and he was the man. He really was. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to read a yeah. couple of things here. This is from CTV. UFO researcher Stanton Freeman dies after half-century effort to prove alien life. Freeman built a reputation as a leading authority on unidentified flying objects, alien abductions, and so-called Roswell incident, considered by many to be the definitive UFO event. He said his belief in... Extra- now, one of the things yeah. I liked about him is he wasn't a true believer. It, no. You know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't credit everything as being... A valid, uh, a valid contact. Yeah, he did a he did a fair amount of debunking on his own, but he also said, "Okay, I cannot explain this." That was one thing I admired about him. Yeah, he did not tell you. He did not say that every um, every event was true. I mean, he would say, "Yeah, that's that's an unidentified flying object. We don't know what that is. We're not saying that it's alien." We're saying we don't know what that is. Right, uh, um, exactly. There's a quote here that I wanted to read. According to his book, Flying Saucers and Science, he became interested in UFOs in 1958. He began lecturing on the topic in 1967, but never actually saw one himself. Quote, I have never seen a flying saucer, and I have never seen an alien. But remember... I chased neutrons and gamma rays for a lot of years as a physicist and never saw one of them either, he told the Canadian press in 2007. In fact, I've never seen Tokyo, but I'm convinced it's there. (laughs) I love it. You can't fight that logic. You really can't. And I like that he was open about it. And he didn't... I mean, he took took it seriously. He took the, the topic seriously. But he wasn't afraid of joking around with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And it's, he was not afraid to be a little self-deprecating sometimes. But he also, um, he got to a point where he said, I don't have to debate you. I don't need to get on a podium and debate you. I don't know who he was speaking to. I think it was, it's a famous spect, uh, skeptic. skeptic. I think it may have been Bill Nye. I'm not sure. And yeah. um, Stanton said, I've, I've done this for, for 50 years. I'm done. I'm done trying to convince people of this. I don't have to debate you. I've done enough debates. There are so many b- debates on YouTube. You go and watch them. I'm done. I don't need. Yeah. I I don't need to keep repeating myself. Everything that I've said, everything I'm going to say, or should say, I've already said it. Um. And I think that that was that was maybe like a like a mere year or two ago when he when he basically said I'm done. I'm done trying to yeah. convince people of this. And that you want to get to a point in your life when you can say no, I I don't have to do this anymore. Basically my my argument is done. I've made my argument. I'm done. I'm through. And if if you don't believe what I have to say by now, I there I can't there's nothing more I can say. Um and and that's it. That's the definitive. Yeah. And I think that's the definitive attitude to take when you reach the elevation that he that that he achieved. He reached this elevation. Yeah, I mean, there there comes a point in time when you've been doing it for so long. I mean, if I remember correctly, he actually investigated Roswell when it happened. He actually he actually found out about it years after it happened. Okay. And he did a lot of the digging and he did a lot of freedom of information filings and he discovered a lot of information and a lot of people leaked information to him. And um, but I mean, as a nuclear physicist, this is not a guy whose credentials can be doubted when it comes to intellectual honesty or the ability to investigate. I mean, that's what nuclear physicists do to an extent. Yeah. You know, they investigate things and they're looking for causes based on symptoms. Yeah. They're dealing with things that we don't, we can't see. You know, as, as he said, I've chased neutrons and gamma rays for a lot of years as a physicist, never saw one of them, you know, so it's part and parcel to kind of what he did. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of the impact he had on, the UFO chasing community, yeah. for lack of a better term, he lent it legitimacy. And he came under fire from a lot of people because of it. They're like, you're a respected physicist. What are you doing playing around with this crap? You know? Yeah. What, so. Yeah. What do you care? I mean, the thing is, exactly. here's the thing. What you do know, you care? These people who it, had challenged him and said, why, why are you chasing UFOs and stuff like that? And his whole attitude is, what, what do you care? How, how does it affect yeah. you that I'm doing this? Right. And again, he didn't claim everything was a result of the um, was a result of aliens. Yeah. He, if it didn't make sense to him, he called it out. Yeah. You know, and if anything, <clears throat> that should have lent him even more legitimacy. And I think in some circles it did in other circles because he dealt with UFOs at all. Yeah. Kind of hurt him a little bit. But kudos to him for not really caring. Yeah. And he and he was a feisty old coot, you know, at times. You know. He he was I mean, you got you got you have to admire that. Well, I admire it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like it 
I I liken it to uh, Buzz Aldrin when that idiot confronted him and basically called him a liar and said he was dishonorable, and Buzz just spun around and knocked the cold cocked the guy at age like eighty whatever. Let's not forget that Buzz Aldrin asked this guy politely to get out of his way and don't touch him and don't touch him first. And then you don't, you don't get into a man of that generation that has the, the level of reputation that Buzz Aldrin did and call him out as being dishonorable in any way, shape or form. Buzz Aldrin did not punch him because he only said you're dishonorable and you're a liar. That was after blocking Buzz Aldrin's way, not allowing him to walk further and starting to manhandle him from what I saw. I might be misremembering this, but Buzz Aldrin gave him plenty of opportunities to get away and and get out of his way. He really did. I mean, all we ever saw was the guy saying something and then Buzz Aldrin turning around and cold cocking him. Yeah. But there had been a lot of lead up to that final part of that confrontation. Yeah. This guy had been in his face. Buzz Aldrin had been polite. He'd been respectful. He'd asked the guy to stop bugging him several times. Um, I think it was Buzz Aldrin's daughter, wasn't it? I think it was daughter. I think, I think it was his daughter who was, I think that, I I mean, I like, again, I might be misremembering. She might have been getting a little scared, a little weirded out by this guy who was being very persistent. Right. And as far as I know, um, from the accounts that I've read of that confrontation, even she had asked the guy to leave them alone. Yeah. You know, the public has a right to know, well, okay, you're not press. You're a schmuck. You know, I mean, to an extent, we're not press either. We're two guys with, with microphones who are opining on things. We don't go out and report on things that um, most people don't see. We just give our opinions on it. So at least I don't consider myself a reporter. I mean, you probably do more reporting like stuff than I do though. So, but he was no different. He just went to a convention where he knew Buzz Aldrin was going to be, and he was trying to espouse his stupid ideas. Yeah. So yeah, that just, yeah. So do we want to talk about how I got in trouble on Facebook this yeah, weekend? Yeah, let's talk about how you got in trouble. <laughs> on Twitter, rather. So, and I, and here's the thing. We're not going to talk about the abortion issue. Nope. I Because the thing is, this is a personal thing. I'm a man. The minute that you ask me, what do I think about abortion laws? You've already invalidated your argument. It's not my business. I don't care. I mean, I care to the extent... I care to an extent. I want to make sure that everybody is happy and healthy and all that. But my opinions on this controversial topic, it's one of those topics where it's like if you take a definitive stand one way or another, you you run the risk of losing 45% of your audience or alienating 45% of your audience. This is a private matter that I, I, I should not even talk about. The one thing that I will talk about, though, is Alyssa Milano had <laughs> declared a sex strike <laughs> until the laws are changed in Georgia, I think. It, it was Georgia last week, and now Alabama is. And I had, I had simply asked the question, how, how is this 
going to fix what's going on in Alabama? How is punishing your husband by neglecting him intimacy going to change anything? Well, what I find funny is a lot of the reactions that I saw to this were based around people basically getting ticked off at her saying, okay, so you're furthering the narrative that women only have sex because their husbands want it, that they don't enjoy it. They're not active, willing participants. Yeah. You know, and there was a lot of criticism of her for perpetuating that myth. But the other thing I saw that I thought was funny is the way some guys reacted to it, basically saying that, you know, they were kind of furthering that myth too, but also indicting themselves for being bad at sex, which I thought was freaking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but you bring up a valid point, though, as you often do. Um, if a woman in California is refusing to have sex with her husband, how is that going to affect anything in Georgia in any way, shape, or form? What? Yeah. I mean, but the thing I is, mean, she said that because she, because she's an actress and they actually have, she works at a studio in Georgia because many studios are no longer working in, in, in Hollywood. They're now working in Georgia because of tax breaks. And it's just cheaper to do business there. Um, and, I under, and, and I mean, I understand her plight to an extent. But the thing is, is that her husband, her spouse, Dave Bulgari, since, and they've been married 10 years. Congratulations. Or it's 10, year, it's 10 years this year. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. What did Dave do to deserve this? Yeah. How is, how is he at fault for what someone else did? And this is the thing that kind of drives me nuts because you see it playing out in different aspects in different areas of, of the political landscape. Right. Like my hot button issue is gun control. You see gun control, people saying that as a legal, as a law-abiding person, I should not have be able to buy a gun right. because someone else misuses it. Well, my response is, how is it you're allowed to buy alcohol when people die of alcohol poisoning or drunk driving? How is it you're allowed to have a car when people die of drunk driving? If I can't have a gun because other people are stupid with the gun, how is that affecting me? How is that any way, shape, or form right. my fault? And it's the same thing with this. It's that same logical fallacy. Because someone else did something wrong, you are not allowed to do something. Right. That doesn't make any it does, sense it, whatsoever. It, it makes and I understand yeah. the I, I understand that they want to draw awareness to it. I understand that they want to get other people involved in it. But who are you if if you're the kind of person that wants other people to get involved, when Jehovah Witnesses knock on your door, you better not be closing the door on them and telling them you're not interested. Uh, yeah. Because how is what they're doing any different than what you're doing? I'm trying to raise awareness. Well, so are they. Yeah. Yeah, but this is socially impactful as far as they're concerned. So is what they're doing. That's the whole issue. That the whole point of all of this is that people have strong feelings about these hot button issues. And by raising, good for you for raising awareness and letting everybody know what's your position. I draw the line when I don't care who it is. I don't, whether it's the government, my mother, my wife, I don't care. When you tell me not to do something for your moralistic purposes 
And it doesn't make sense why you're telling me not to do something. Yeah. You're going to, I, I will, I will fight back on, or I will speak out on my podcast. If I were to say, I'm not going to do the dishes. I'm not going to clean the dishes at all. I'm going to let the dishes pile up until we take care of the plastic in the ocean. So, how, how, is that, how is that protest within the confines of my house going to stop anything or change any anything? impact at all. Now, I could drive all the way to Washington, D.C., schedule an appointment with my senator or my congresswoman and say to her, I am going to vote for somebody who will actually do something about cleaning up the plastic in the ocean. If you don't well, do something where, about it. And this this is where I've come to an epiphany in my in my my old age is getting involved politically locally is how your voice is going to be heard. So at the federal government level, there's only four people that we can call that we can have an effect on right. at all at the federal level. Four people. Yeah. Two senators, one representative, president of the United States. It's the yeah. only way your voice is going to be heard. And since the president responds to everybody, you're one of 300 voice, 300 million voices that right. that person's listening to, Yeah, which means you're going to get more response if you talk to the senators, but the senators, both of them are representing your entire state. Yeah. So that's, you're just one of how many thousands or millions of voices again, yeah. probably not going to get listened to all that much. So then the person who's going to be most responsive is your representative at the house of representatives, because they're only representing the district from which you come right now, depending on your state and various populations, you could be one of a few thousand voices, right? Yeah. So like, I think in my district, I looked it up one time and I think there's something in the neighborhood of 30 some thousand people in my district that my representative um, responds to. Mm-hmm. So instead of being one out of 300 million for the president, now I'm one out of 30,000. So he's more likely to take, and I say he, be, not because I'm using, I'm assuming he's a male, because I know he's a male, I know who he is. So he's probably going to be more likely to respond to me, but that's at the federal level. If you break it down to, well, out here, the county actually has power. So at the county level, you're roughly equating to, the federal district for your house of representatives at least in my case it's equivalency of of population but in my town that i live in i can talk to my representative the man lives like 900 yards from my house wow that's as you have to walk on the sidewalk to get there as the crow flies it's probably less than 100 i can walk and talk to the guy i know i used to go to church with him i know the guy personally in fact, of the people that are local representatives at the at the city level, I know four out of the six. I think it's six. Could be seven. Yeah. I know four of them yeah. personally. That's how you have an effect. Yeah. You talk to those people because now you're one of maybe a, a, a hundred people, a few hundred people that they are actually representing. And if you're vocal about it, you're going to get more of a response from your representative at the local level. And if you're not happy with it, you know what? You can run yourself. Exactly. You can run for that position. No one is going to stop you. They may not vote for you, but they're not going to stop you. No one is going to say you can't do that. Yeah. 
you ever talk, spoken to someone who said they wanted to be a federal representative at the federal level? Yes, I have. They have to be hard charging because a lot of people are very negative. Oh, you're never going to unseat so-and-so. There's a lot of, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you that's don't hear awesome. that. And that's all. Level, yeah. Because no one pays. Yeah. Because no one pays any attention to the yeah. local level. Yeah. Even though ironically, that's where your voice is going to have the most impact. Yeah. So, you know, I reach out to those guys that I know. I think the city's doing something I don't like. And there are times when they've told me, look, I, I can't. There's nothing I can do about that. There's been times when they've said, I disagree with you on that for this reason or that reason. And sometimes when they've said that, I've, you know, after they explained why they disagree, I'm like, okay, I can see why you feel that way, but I disagree yeah. with you. Yeah. You know, and this is the other thing that drives me nuts in our political discourse today. It's okay to disagree. It's it okay doesn't to be mean wrong. That they're, right. It doesn't mean that they're evil. It doesn't mean that they are vile human beings who should not have their position. It just means we have a difference of opinion. Well, that's all it means. You just brought up another topic that I want to table for later in the show because it's it's quasi funny, but it's also sad and scary. But on the flip side of this, let's see if whether or not I can actually uh, read this headline without laughing again. Okay. Texas anti-masturbation bill moves closer to becoming law. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> the man's right to know. Texas men would be fined $100 every time they unre er for every unregulated masturbatory emission, although they may be reassured to learn that the satirical bill highlighting women have been targeted by anti-abortion laws. That, I mean, the last part so, is pretty serious, but if you... The it, last part is pretty serious, but at the same time, I, I have to be honest. Um, I love that they've said $100 for every unregulated emission. So you can play <laughs> with yourself all you want, as long as you don't go all the way. Unregulated masturbation. You're okay. <laughs> unregulated masturbatory emission. <laughs> that, that, could, that could be the title of this week's show. <laughs> How do you regulate that? <laughs> How do you regulate? Are you, you got people to admit, you know, and if they're going to be fined for it, you know, damn well, they're going to lie. Uh, yeah. Well, How yeah. Many people get caught on, with radar speeding and they're like, I wasn't speeding. <laughs> oh, I, I promise you. Uh, this is only my first time. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and as someone who works on the internet. Yeah. I know damn well how I can prove it. <laughs> <laughs> like the joke about the young young teen who uh, he was confronted by his mother who found all of his Playboy and Hustlers and Penthouse magazines. And and, and uh, she, said, she said, I found this in your room. Do you know what this means? And he said, yeah, Ma, I got to find a better hiding place. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, oh, so sweet, sweet. So, but this highlights a fact that somehow the government thinks that it could regulate something that should be personal and private. And yeah. it does, and it does cross the line into evasion of privacy. I don't care what it is. When the government starts to invade other people's privacy, 
And it doesn't even matter if you agree with the law or not. Once the government starts invading people's uh, privacy and property, I'm not a fan. And I think it's I think it's I think it's morally wrong. I don't know that person's situation. I don't know what happened to to lead this person to this choice. And the minute that you speak out against it, you want to alienate people. You want to ruin your audience. Make a declarative statement on a controversial issue that has nothing to do with you. Right. I, all I did was ask. How is punishing your husband going to change anything on the other side of the country unless you live in that state? And it, it also, there's the implication that the only reason why she has sex with him in the first place is because it makes him happy. And somehow he has the magical power. He has the power to change the law all by his right. lonesome. And that's, that, that's where, you know, you've got to... Put your efforts where they're actually going to accomplish something. Yeah. Raising awareness. Okay, fine. Raise awareness. But if you're not raising awareness in an area that can do any good, I can complain about the way women are treated in China all I want. Yeah. However, I'm not in China and I'm not raising awareness in China. I'm not doing anything by raising that awareness other than having people go, huh, glad I don't live in China. That's it. You know what I mean? That's it. That's there's there's a there's a point when raising awareness about something becomes irrelevant um when i got involved in the uh in the tea party when it first started right in massachusetts we were holding these protests we were doing we were holding the protests in major commute areas we were holding up signs and it was during the election and it's like hey our government is spending money that they know they can just get somehow later. They don't pay any attention to how much money they have coming in and they don't really care about anything else. They just say, we want to throw this much money at this and that's it. Yeah. Which is irresponsible. And that's what the original Tea Party was all about, was introducing accountability into the federal government in regards to fiscal spending. Yeah. And at these Tea Party rallies, there were people there who were hardcore liberals. There were people there that were hardcore Republicans. There were hardcore Democrats. There were people who really didn't give a shit about any other issue politically except the spending. There were people from all walks of life, all political affiliations, because it was a genuine grassroots protest that then, of course, became organized. And now they have They've spread their wings, so to speak, right. and they're covering a lot more things, so I don't support them anymore. But that was an effective protest, right? Yes. The Occupy Wall Street movement ha had a good idea. Right. They just did it wrong. They were protesting at the right place, but they were doing it wrong. You can't interfere. As soon as you are interfering with someone else's day-to-day -day business, your protest is no longer a peaceful protest and no longer covered by the First Amendment. And that's where the line is drawn. Yeah. So if you're going to protest something or raise awareness, do yourself a favor. Do it somewhere it's going to actually have an impact. Otherwise, you're just imposing your opinion on other people. And I mean imposing. Yeah. You're not sharing your opinion. You're imposing it on them. Oh, yeah, exactly. You are forcing that on them. And that's how. And that's not what the. That's how you get people yeah, the, alienated against you. And, exactly. And diminish your movement. The minute that you make yourself a pain in the ass 
and you alienate people and you make yourself into the bad guy that you're a bad right you know it's like now, any <sighs> once you do that anything you do after that is going to be seen in a completely different light yeah you know it's going to be viewed completely differently so speaking it's about just, viewing something differently i mean unless you have anything left to say about this no uh, okay. I, th I think we covered it i mean i could rant some more but you know that's uh and we're running such a tight <laughs> show this week it's amazing Oh my gosh, we we have we've only diverged a few times, and we were able to come back pretty quick. I, it's a, I, I think I think we're getting the hang of this. I don't want to talk. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> I I don't want to talk about this. Ohio school closed oh, after enriched uranium discovered inside. Quote. We aren't prepared yeah. for something like this. An Ohio school has been forced to close for the remainder of the academic year after rich uranium was discovered Enrich. inside. Neptunium. Enriched uranium and Neptunium-237. So these are both radioactive. It's not depleted uranium. Yeah. Like when I was in the Coast Guard, we fired depleted uranium rounds out of the close-in weapon system, the Phanix weapon system. That's different. Depleted uranium is no longer radioactive. Enriched uranium is one of the stepping stones to creating yellow cake, which yeah. is what they use. It's a fissionable material, material that they use in nuclear weapons. This is radioactive. So how long was this uranium in the school? How Th long was this uranium in the school? That's it terrifying. Is. Now, um, in the article, the Newsweek article, they say that it, it possibly came from a uh, gaseous diffusion plant. But how did it leave that plant? There are so many regulations in place and safety precautions in place at a nuclear plant. How did radioactive materials leave that plant and end up at the school? And how long was it there? They have a picture of a, like a little Petri dish filled with yellow cake. I don't know if that was just no that's just a that's, that's just, just a stock photo I don't that's think just that's a stock photo what, we, what they found yeah how much did they i find? don't think anyway i mean it doesn't say you know how no yeah does this file photo shows yellow cake yeah how much did they find that's not an unfair question to ask and i i didn't i didn't see that in the article yeah so the question is is as a parent you can't help but ask and want to know the answer to what else is hiding in, in, in the school's locker rooms? What's What else is hiding in the teacher's desk or whatever? That's it, right. Well, where did they find it even? Who, who brought it, who brought in it into the school? Who brought it into the school? Well, where did they find it in the school? Because that would one is going to lead to the other, right? If it's in the men's locker room, chances are it wasn't a uh, one of the female students that brought it in. Not completely eliminating it, just reducing the likelihood that it was a, a female that brought it in. So where did they find it? Did they find it in the teacher's lounge? Did they find it in a particular school, you know, a particular classroom? Where did they find this? Why did they find this uranium and neptunium? Were they found together? Were they next to each other? These are things that are not in the article that I would like to know. Yeah, and there are also articles written um published on CNN, NBC, Fox News, and the question remains. 
after these after looking at these articles, I should go back and look at them again in the hopes, keep your fingers crossed, that I actually find some answers here um, that will tell us I mean, how much was there and how much is enough to cause cancer. Ohio town worries after safety after radioactive contamination is found. Frantic parents fear for the kids after radioactive contamination found at Ohio Middle School. How do junior high kids get a hold of this? Well, again, the assumption is that it's the kids. It could have been a teacher. It could have been a disgruntled teacher who was going to make a statement. I mean, who, we don't know. We There's so little information we have. Now, in terms of how much of it is dangerous, it's more a little bit of radioactive material over a long enough time is still going to cause cancer. So if it's something that's been sitting in the school for decades, chances are teachers are going to need to get checked out because that may be the source of cancer, yeah. may have caused cancer if they were in whatever yeah. location that this was and they're in close enough proximity to it. If it's a large enough sample of the radioactive material, then your proximity to it matters less. It still matters, but it matters less. So if you have a little bit of it and you're holding it in your hand, carrying it in your pocket, yeah, you're more likely to get cancer, especially if you're carrying it over a long period of time. If it's a huge rock the size of a football that's sitting on a teacher's desk, then everyone in the classroom, depending on the relative radioactivity of the substance, could be at risk for developing cancer in a shorter time frame because it's a larger source of it. So the size of it is important. Also, I'm not sure about this, but is the type of cancers caused by Neptunium different than yeah. uranium? Do they compound each other? Do does, does exposure to both increase your chances of getting cancer? Um, what is, you know, I mean, these are all things that I would like to have reported on by the news media. Are these are these students now at risk for having cancer because yeah. this stuff was in there? And where was it found? Again, you're not asking <laughs> difficult questions, I, I, I think. The fact that they're keeping a lid on this is concerning. And I want to interject here for a second. Are you aware of the Idaho Falls disaster that occurred in 1961? Idaho Falls, it sounds familiar. There's a great book, I don't want to butcher this guy's name, by William McCowan, and he wrote a book um, about one of the few uh, nuclear disasters um, that has occurred here in the United States that actually resulted in a death. I think it's the only one that I know of, um, and it's like the reactor SL-1, which was part of a prototype nuclear plant designed for the military, and it's... It's a scary book about how this kid who was brokenhearted about breaking up with his girlfriend allegedly decided to leave all the valves open or keep them closed or something and caused this disaster. It's a terrifying book, and it's one of the books that I've reviewed for the Fedora Chronicles talking about nuclear disasters. I don't know why. Every like Once or twice a year, I get fixated on nuclear disasters. It's happened since Fukushima. And there are these little disasters, these little accidents that have happened in various places throughout the world. I, one place in particular that you should worry about is a place called Chernobyl. Um, there are these disasters and, and nobody knows about them. 
nobody knows about them until decades later. I think well, it's, Chernobyl is apparently now a uh, tourist attraction. That's terrifying. That's that's terrifying. But the the notion is is that what it's it's not the disaster I- itself that's troubling. It's the cover up and the secrecy that I think is troubling. Right. And now, if we were conspiracy theorists, we would say that the news media knows all of that information on the cancerousness and 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 how much was there blah 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 they know that and they're not telling us yeah we're asking why aren't they telling us we're asking why this is something i would want to know um if you're going to report on this i would appreciate as much information as possible or at least say in the article that we don't know how much or where the the materials were recovered from yeah you know and i mean let's be honest if i was if i was cleaning up in a room somewhere and i saw some yellow dust my first thought would not be that it's uranium yeah (laughs) you know i'd be thinking it's i don't know fucking some weird dust from the sheetrock or something i don't know who knows i would not think wow i wonder if this is radioactive i'd be like shit and vacuum it up (laughs) exactly (laughs) you know i mean so what form was the enriched uranium in was it a rock what made them think that it was uranium? Yeah. Same thing with the Neptunium. How do you know? <laughs> do you have like Geiger counters everywhere, or did some? It must have had a label on it, Jay. It hey, must have. I got a nap for that, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> cell phones these days. Are I I, I wonder if you can get an app, a Geiger counter app, <laughs> for your phone. Well, when you go down, when you go to Moab, there's a part of the walk that you can go through. On Moab, there's there's green on the rocks as you're going through this one area, and they have signs that tell you this is uranium. Okay. The green rock is uranium, and this is where it's it's a kind of uranium. It is radioactive, but it's very 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 slightly radioactive. Yeah. So, you know, as you're touring this old house that was set up in the 1800s, there's a part of you that's wondering. I think I know how they died. But <laughs> yeah, you know, there's another part of you that's thinking, how, how long am I going to be staying here? <laughs> yeah, you know. So I don't know. I just I I wonder about things like this. How did they? Uranium looks like a rock. If you see enriched uranium in its raw form, it just looks like a rock. You don't get the heebie-jeebies when you pick it up. Um, at least as far as I know. I think you would. <laughs> if you, well, knew if you that know it's uranium, you would. But yeah. would you feel the radiation coming off of it? Do you I feel, feel my- radiation when you stick your hand in the microwave oven if you open the door before it's done beeping? Because it's still radiating. That's why it beeps. Uh-huh. See, things you did not want to know about your microwave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is the funny thing, right? Microwaves, when they first came out, used to be called radar ranges. Yeah. Because the same technology that's in your microwave is in the radar systems that they use yep. in the military and air for, airports, um, the radar guns that the police use to, to check for speeding. Yep. It's the same technology. It's also the same technology, except on a reduced factor of power, that's in your radio. Yeah. It's the exact same technology, just different level of power. So every, theoretically, every radio could be turned into a radar detector because it's identical. It's the exact same technology, okay? 
So when you're radiating your food in the microwave, you're basically hitting it with radar waves. Radar waves are basically just amplified radio waves. Mm -hmm. It's the same technology, the exact same technology. And for those out there saying, how does this guy know this? I was a radar technician when I was in the Coast Guard for four years. Yep. And he I was in the Coast Guard for five years, only a radar tech for about four of them. And if you know so, and if you know Jason, he will take every opportunity to remind you of this. <laughs> damn right. You're damn right. Proud of my service, baby. Well, here, yeah, so it's Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it's so it's just how do you know you're being radiated? You're technically being radiated every time you listen to a rate to a radio, but it's at such a sl uh, small level that it's not even dangerous to you. You know, so how did they know it was uranium? What made them think it could be a nuclear material? And if you start, if you really want to go down that particular rabbit hole, how many rocks are in various classrooms across the United States that are actively uranium, but they don't really know it? Sleep well tonight, children. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of not being able to sleep well, from the Wall Street Journal, U.S. is poised to let phone companies block robocalls. Four or five times a day, I get a phone call, automated phone calls, where somebody says, we've been looking over your business and you qualify for a business loan. Press one to talk to a representative right now. I like to make fun of these people. I like to make fun of the people who call and offer me extended warranties on my car. And usually they'll call and they'll talk they'll talk about one car in particular that I have. And then I will say, well, you know, the thing is, that's that's already been insured, but I, I have another car that I, I think I might need to have the extended <laughs> warranty on. So really, what is it? And it's like, it's a, it's a 1983 DeLorean. Oh, really? Tell us all about it. Well, and I, I tell them about it. It says, are there any modifications? Well, it does have a an aftermarket. Modified power plant. <laughs> it, ha it has an aftermarket flux capacitor. <laughs> But I didn't stop. But it it doesn't stop there. It it also has a Mister Fusion, <laughs> and it also has a hovercraft conversion kit. And you could tell that this person is not not literate in probably they're probably they're in their late teens, early twenties, and like writing it down. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. And and. <laughs> Now, to the person who did this modification, is 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 he is he licensed? Well, sort well, of. Not really. I mean, he's he, he's a doctor, but we're not. I'm not entirely sure what doctorate he has. I'm not. You know. <laughs> and what was the name of Doctor Emmett Brown? <laughs> and I have these people. Sometimes they hang up almost right away. But I'll have these people going. For like maybe a good five or ten minutes. <laughs> I love the ones that call about the credit card. We've got important information about your credit card. Do not hang up. This is not a sales call. <laughs> and of course, I'm sorry. If you're telling me that it's not a sales call, my first assumption is, oh shit, it's a sales call. <laughs> and of course, the thing is, I like to and I like to know what what credit card are you talking about? And I, I will. I can't wait. 
And I will. Oh my gosh! I, will, I can't wait because I actually called my girlfriend and left her a voice message, and I said, "This is not a sales call." <laughs> she hardly ever listens to her voicemail. I can't wait till she listens to it. <laughs> I completely forgot I did that. So, so, so when it's like you know, we'd like to talk about you about lowering your rate on your credit card. Please press one. And of course, what do I do? I press one. And I, I pretend like I'm in a panic, like, oh my God, what 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 do you mean a credit card? What what credit card is it? I, I don't have a credit card. All I have is debit cards. What what are you talking about? Did somebody take out a, a, a line of credit in my name? Oh my god, I bet it was my dad again. Did my Did dad Did someone steal my ID? Oh my god. What are you talking about? And, and of course oh I, I I I'm a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think they're getting exactly what they deserve. You're gonna. It's like when the kids were young and we would get the calls because we had a house phone. We would get the uh, the sales calls. We used to once we learned it was sales. We would actually hand the phone to one of the children. (laughs) (laughs) And Taylor was the best one because she'd be like, "Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Why?" Uh huh. Why? Uh huh. But why? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I think the longest it went was like ten minutes before they realized they were talking to a two-year-old. <laughs> FBI safe house. Person. What's the nature of your emergency? <laughs> <laughs> right. But I'm gonna, you know what? There's a part of me that wonders: Am I gonna, when they get rid of these robocalls, am I am I gonna miss making these people's lives miserable? No, no, you're not, because they're still spam. Yeah, they're still email spam. This is a great time to insert the um, spam song from Mighty Python. (laughs) 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 Uh, So Uh uh, let me think here. We had a, a couple of other things that we wanted to talk about. Um, All right, I, I, you know me. Yes, we got to talk about the the funeral strippers. Yeah, I knew that we, we were going to. That was going to. That was going to come up. So the thing is, is that now let's be honest. You've been in the Coast Guard. Have you ever mm-hmm. been to, to a strip club to a funeral that had strippers? Um, no. Mm-hmm. I've been to a wedding that had strippers. I've been to birthday parties that had strippers. I've been to quote unquote restaurants that had strippers. I mean, just just in case anyone is wondering if they're advertising legs and eggs, they're not talking about <laughs> chicken legs, and you probably don't want to eat the eggs that they have anyway. Um, you don't really want to eat where people are dancing on the table that you're going to be eating at. Um, yeah, just... It's not high quality food, just in case anyone was wondering. Not in the but, slightest bit. Yeah. But funeral strippers, that's new to me. That's not something I'm familiar with. So from the Ministry of Culture said it would target obscene, pornographic, and vulgar performances at funerals and weddings. China. And weddings. And weddings. I, I've been to weddings that have had strippers at them. I knew someone that married a stripper. There were a bunch of strippers at the wedding. I can just say that when the music started, it got interesting. So 
funerals and weddings. The funeral strippers are new to me. Yeah. Um, and there's different like there's strip clubs. Certain states don't allow women to get naked when they're at right. a strip club, which kind of like defeats the purpose. But hey, if you want to watch a woman dancing around in a bikini, go for it. Would that be restricted? Because is that technically is that obscene or pornographic? I mean, vulgar depends on what they're doing, but. There's just a lot of leeway here that I think would, oh my gosh, I just read further in the article, it says the tabloid claimed that they sauntered into the crowd and rubbed men's crotches while occasionally reminding them not to take pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Who takes pictures at a funeral? Yeah. Dad died. This is a picture of me with the stripper at his funeral? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, here's the thing. Let's stop and think. Let's entertain this idea for a second here. What if the deceased was the stripper's favorite client? Well, it, it could happen. I assume I assume the objection is not that a stripper can go to a funeral. I think the that they as long as they're not there in their capacity of their profession, uh -huh. they're okay to attend. I don't know. I mean, again, a lot of questions, not a lot of answers. The reporting on this is just really subpar. I'm very disappointed. Uh, I am. I, I, I don't know. I th and I'm, su I'm surprised that, that they did not have more um, photographs, as it were. I'm surprised that they didn't do a more diligent job of, yeah, I, I, I need to see some examples here. Well, yeah. I mean, I especially want to know how they're defining obscene, pornographic, and vulgar performances. Because later on in the article, they say that rural communities believe hiring performers can increase attendance at funerals, and high attendance is seen as a way of honoring the dead. So, in a bid to show off disposable income and boost numbers, some households pay out more than their annual incomes for strippers, but also actors, singers, and comedians. I mean... <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking I want a Chinese style funeral when I die. I mean, I've already gone over this with my children. When, right. when I die at the wake, at my wake, it's going to be in my will. It actually is in my will already that my children are to hire someone to dress up as the specter of death and stand in a corner at the funeral home throughout the wake. Yeah. And just before the end of the wake that actor is to leave the room and stop when they get at the door, turn around and point at someone in the audience and then leave. Mm -hmm. This is something that is in my will that has to be performed at the wake when I die. And I'm going to be on the other side laughing my ass off when it happens. <laughs> so I, I want, I this want is taking it to another level, man. I would, this is I would like to have comedians. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. When my grand, when my mother's father died, the funeral home was across the street from a sorority house yeah. at a local college. Yeah, and they called the cops on us because we were too loud. Mm -hmm. So I understand having fun at a funeral, but actors, singers, comedians, and strippers—that's that's that's impressive. That's that's a party, that's, man. That's a yeah. party. Well, anyway, here's a news. Wow. Here's another news item. And you have to hear me out here because this is a part of a much, much bigger story. And it also includes an aspect of Facebook's intrusiveness. Now, we have 
the Facebook group, Fedora Chronicles News. It is the Fedora Chronicles radio show and News of the Week group page, which is separate from our original group where we just talk about style and, and you know, life and, and, and pop culture and stuff. But the news, and we even have a new headline, and I had to write this to get everybody to understand this. The new description for our Facebook group for the Fedora Chronicles radio show and news of the week, which you can find, facebook.com slash groups slash, all one word, Fedora Chronicles news. We find and mock ridiculous news items so you don't have to. Jason Cousineau and Eric Fisk's weekly podcast that is a nonpartisan, self-deprecating approach to what's happening around the world. Commentary on pop culture and current events through the perspective of film snobs, tech geeks, and diesel punks. And it goes on from there. Now, we acknowledge that some of the news items are ridiculous that you and I will riff on once a week. It's what we. It's why people love us. So, found this news item. I thought it was interesting. Somebody had posted on Joel Olstein's Ministries Facebook group. <laughs> I am requesting <laughs> prayer for my marriage. And there's a picture of Joel Olstein, Joel Olstein Ministries. Unfortunately, your Joel Olstein prayer request account has not been activated. In order to activate your account, you will need to add a monthly donation of $24.99, which will give you access to three prayer requests per month. If you donate $49.99 each month, you will become a premium prayer request member, which gives you access to 10 prayer requests per month and the chance to buy tickets to our next performance at your local arena. I love that it says performance. (laughs) (laughs) And a couple of members had seen this. Melissa uh, Hassin Fayed, who is... um, she is one of our super fans. Um, she had said, and I laughed out loud at this, I will do it for half the price and give you tickets to my grandchild's piano recital for free. <laughs> I love that. Melissa's a super fan. That is awesome. Um, and Sydney Riley, another super fan, isn't this the same leader who didn't open his mega church to help shelter the victims of the flooding and damage from the Hurricane Harvey two years ago? And and the thing is, it's a ridiculous news story. We put it up there and we will discuss whether or not it is a ridiculous news story or not. Scroll down. Facebook interjected into our group page related articles. False. The prayer request rejection was from a fake Olstein page. And you can click on it, like I am right now, and it will take you to hoaxalertleadstories.com. And it turns it 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 turns out here that apparently that this is a hoax. Huh. <laughs> Shocking. It's a hoax. Now I think it's funny to talk about. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I think it's a little weird how Facebook interjected itself into the group with a link to hoax-alert.leadstories.com. 
dot com. I wonder if whether or not what would it take for them to inter- interject articles from the Fedora Chronicles onto Facebook. Why not put like if 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 we're talking about yellow cake, if somebody else somewhere on the Facebook said, "Oh, related articles." The Fedora Chronicles News of the Week with Jason Cousineau talked about this in this podcast. How is hoax alert lead stories able to interject themselves into other people's groups? And I'll I'll admit, I'm an attention whore. I got a website. I'd love to use my website to promote my news stories in the very same way. I wonder if I could interject our news stories into their Facebook page. Because I think pretty much our followers are pretty smart, which is probably why we don't have as many as we should, because <laughs> there there aren't really a lot of smart people out there anymore. Yeah. I pretty much think that we would look at this and we would discuss it and eventually find out this is bogus. Now, I don't like Joel Olstein. I don't. I don't like him. Yeah. Uh, I would not I would not leave him alone in my house with my wife and kids. I'm not saying that he would do anything tawdry. Yeah. I just don't like him for various reasons. I don't I don't like his prosperity doctrine that he preaches. I don't like it. It's it's non-biblical. Yes. I and I think he's I I think that there's an aspect of him. I think I think he's a bad preacher. Um and I do think that people should stay he's a bad preacher on Facebook. And I think we should be allowed to we should be allowed to talk about bogus news stories. Right. Um now if you go now as I don't know if other people can see this on our on our Facebook page, Fedora Chronicles News. There's a link, and you may be able to see it because you're a moderator. I don't know if other people are or not, but there's a link on the left-hand side, group quality, and you click it, and it will tell you who's posting the most links to bogus news stories. <laughs> Recent false news in your group. Independent fact checkers have determined that content in your group is misleading. To fight false news, Facebook reduces the distribution of misleading content while also showing additional reporting on the same topic, which gets back to that thing that they had inserted. To fight false news, Facebook reduces... Oh, I already read that. If a group repeatedly shares False news. Facebook may reduce that group's distribution by showing the group's content lower in the news feed. Facebook may also stop suggesting that people join the group. The whole purpose of our group is to talk about funny, ridiculous ridiculous news news items. Yeah. You'd think they would take that into account. But it is Facebook, and in your groups, you're not allowed to post adult nudity. We talked about this last week. Specifically and I, adult nudity. Yeah. And, so. I, and I was actually told that six people had to be hospitalized because they were laughing so hard because, <laughs> oh, I'm, see, that's a joke. Could that be misconstrued? 
as as fake news. What did I say in our description? We find and mock we ridiculous mock news items. We find and mock. We find, mock, and ridicule fake. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not. We find and mock ridiculous news items so you don't have to. That's what we do. <sighs> so if I find a ridiculous news item, do I have to fact check it first? Well, that would kind of eliminate our ability to actually have much to mock. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't any funeral strippers in China. <laughs> I'm just saying our ability to verify the veracity of that particular report could be hampered somewhat. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, is that I think that we did a great job talking about how you cannot cure a yeast infection by putting garlic up your vagina. Right. We right. talked about how that's fake news. Yeah. So reporting... And demonstrating fake news items is fake news. You know, sometimes the logic becomes illogical. It's because you're, they're using algorithms and artificial intelligence to do their jobs. Now, I'm, I'm granted. Right. And that's, well, you can't have, you can't really pay someone to actually scour all of Facebook. No. And you God, know, so and, I, I get to, there has to be some level of automation involved. I just think that there should be probably some way of including in the algorithm the description of the the group. So like if we're going to be mocking news articles, then the algorithm should take into account that these guys are probably going to have a lot of really wacky fucking news articles yeah. on uh, in the group. You know what I mean? So that should be included in the algorithm. Because we can't be the only group that's involved with maybe not mocking, but at least, you know, fake news. Yes. There's got to be groups out there that are discussing fake news as yeah. fake news and whether it's really fake and the veracity of how fake it is. Or, And we can't be the only ones mocking it either, to be honest. There's got to be other groups out there that are like, check this out. This is some funny shit. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny fake story. Right. So they have to be able to account for that or they yeah. should yeah it's facebook so my my confidence in their ability to actually account for it before people start bitching is really really low yeah because you know i mean zuckerberg would rather have the government take care of that for him rather than spend some of his billions in actually making his website better oh that's awful uh but Sorry, sorry, uh, did I get serious? Yeah, you got serious, and we, you know, because, you know, you stopped talking about, you know, stripper funerals. Or it is, and I mean, the, I, I want to know what a stripper, I mean, do they have to wear, like, a black outfit before they start taking <laughs> off? And I'm just curious, are they all goth, you know, when they take off their clothes, they have a lot of, like, funky tattoos of the Grim Reaper flipping people off and Maybe. Shit? I mean... Maybe we need photographic, videographic evidence. That's all I'm saying. I'm gonna. That's all I'm saying. You know what? I'm I'm gonna dispatch you to investigate this. It's gonna be hard work. <laughs> I think you're up to the challenge. But I do think that we have to put as a as a, an announcement, a sticky, a warning, saying the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show finds 
funny fake news items occasionally and riffs on them. I think that we should put a disclaimer and contact Facebook and let them know that's part of what we do. That's our shtick. Yeah, maybe if we're actually proactive about it, they'll realize that they need to make an exception for that particular group. However, my confidence level is still not high because I'm thinking if we notify them, they're going to be like, oh, we're just going to eliminate the group. Yeah, yeah. Because that seems to be their reaction to everything. Yeah. Ban it. Ban it. Um, But I do think that we should also, um, you know, occasionally put up some more serious news items. Um, Yeah. So like the the yellow cake that they found at, or not yellow cake, the enriched uranium they found at the high school. That's some serious shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're fine. We're good. (sighs) All right. So anyway, do we want to talk about some... um, behind-the-scenes stuff going on at the Fedora Chronicles and what may or may not be happening this summer. But before, um, I, before I do yeah, that... Yeah, we got to make it quick because I got to go to work. <laughs> all right. Oh, you and your job. So the thing is, know, right? is that, and it's a long story, we don't have time to get... Just listen to some of our bad, show, uh, bad shows, our past shows. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> Go back and listen to some of our other bad shows and you hear <laughs> us. We were talking to le- people who are running this convention. Uh, full disclosure, it's Hypericon. We were talking about showing up and being on a couple of panels at Hypericon. And we got a letter back from Hypericon. And when I let my wife read it, um, she was pissed. It's the first oh, really? time, first time in a long time I've ever seen her actually she actually she didn't throw the phone at me but you could tell that she was she was that pissed. Wow. Um and we got this apparently apparently we're pre-approved maybe to to be on some panels. Um and you read the actual full, full letter. Do you want to read the letter? Because you're better at this than I am. All right. Hold on a second. Let me pull it up. Do, do, do. So. At our Hypericon programming meeting in May, we approved our second way of guest and panelist applications. After careful review of your application, as well as your website and or social media presence, we would love to extend an offer to you to be a panelist at Hypericon 14, July 5th through 7th, 2019 at the Clarion Inn in Murfreesboro. If you have a pick you would like to use in a short 150 words or less bio that you would like us to use, please email that at your earliest convenience. As a panelist, you'll have your name mentioned in the program next to the panels that you are assigned to. Your code to get a discounted pass is panel 29. Well, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And you can get additional discounts for four, six, or eight plus or more hours of volunteering our panels by emailing. So, yeah, go ahead. I'd like to review that. Yeah, go ahead. Discounted pass. Still got to, we still got to pay to attend we're as gonna, a panelist. We're supposed to be performing at this convention on panels and we got to pay to get in and we got to pay to get in but that's okay if we're willing to work the convention they're willing to give us an even deeper discount yeah so that means everyone that's working at the hypericon are paying to get in so they can work 
Yeah. So I guess that it's like if you actually work at the theater where Hamilton is is playing. You have to buy a ticket. You have to buy a ticket to be able to work at the theater where Hamilton's being performed, I guess. Uh, do you want do you want to read further or do you want me to? No. <laughs> no, because I will do right, it. I, you go. You go. <laughs> As we know, it leaves things a bit iffy until we have the schedule released. All panelists have a locked-in rate of $30 for their pass at the door the day of the convention. Don't you don't have to worry about losing your good rate because of waiting. If you need a hotel room, you have a guaranteed rate of $109 per night during the range of Thursday, July 4th through Saturday, July 7th. Just call the hotel and okay. you Yeah. Yeah. 7th. There is all Sunday. Oh, here's one. Here's something I really like here. This 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 is exciting. There is always a chance that you may be upgraded to a featured guest based on our programming. And I will let you know well in advance. The pro- <sighs> so they so they want us to fly down. I mean, obviously, we're going to pay for our own flights. Obviously. Wait, yeah. For you, it's... I mean, it's, that, that's to be expected. Same are, thing with the hotel room. Right. Are you flying? Uh, are you flying up or are you flying across? I'm not sure, but that's not I, important. I, I, yeah, I think it's across. Okay. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I have. <laughs> they want us to pay. Now, granted, it's to a sit reduced in on a rate panel. to sit in on a panel, and they had actually and asked like us any of the other conventions I've been to. You're not allowed to bring food in, so. You've got to pay for the overpriced food that's there at the convention. It's yeah. I mean, I don't know what the what the what the ticket prices are for people who are not panelists. I don't know. And apparently, that's a lot a lot Cole's of people for. have complained about the quality of this hotel, which is neither here nor there. Yeah. But I really felt as if this was really a slap in the face to us. I was I was actually insulted when I read this. Yeah. It's and by the way, this is a convention for July Fourth weekend. It's May sixteenth as of this recording. They sent this out May eleventh. It's less than two months away, and they don't have their programming nailed down. Yeah, and by the way, I just checked the website. Advanced tickets are forty dollars, so they're only giving you a ten giving us a ten dollar discount. That's insulting. Wow. That's so, that's um, that's an insult and that's a slap in the face. Not only is that a slap in the face to me, that's also a bit of a, a slap in the face to our listeners and, yeah. and and the readers of our podcast, not the or, or or website. So it um seems to me like we're not going then. Uh no. Kind of- no. We're we're not we're not going. Now, if they wanted yeah. to pay us, we might reconsider, but I don't think it's going to happen though, Jay. I don't think so either. I'm just throwing that out there. If this is acceptable, please reply and let me know, and I will confirm you on our spreadsheet. Yeah, I'd love to. I, uh, here's the question. How many people are actually already planning on going? How many tickets have they sold? Yeah, I don't know. They don't say that. Advanced tickets, 241 tickets remaining. This is this last line. I'm going to skip through the for all cosplay applicants and for all author. I wonder, are the authors 
also paying to show up? Are they being show? Are, are they? Well, uh, they said they're going to have a book signing t- table sign up available as they get closer to June. Um, we'll have a schedule this year. So if you want to have a full table display for your products, you may want to look into getting a vendor room. Even if you have a vendor table room, you are still able to sign up for the author signing table if you would like. Now, as I understand it, any tables that are on like the vendor floor. Right. Um, you do have to pay to be a, they, a vendor. You they do. have to pay to be in there. Even if they've been asked to be a panelist or if they're a special guest. Sure. They still have to pay for that table space. Sure. And that I actually understand makes sense that. Because that's, that's helping to pay for you know, the, the venue itself. If, so you're, that, if you're selling something, yes, you know, you should right, have that I get. Yeah. And I, I have to say that I've been to a number of conventions and I've met a couple of authors that I look up to that I, I yeah. regard highly. I met Ellie Medesit at a, at a couple of sure. conventions, for example, um, Brandon Sanderson, he's a local guy. I actually ran into him quite yeah. literally yeah. at a, uh, at a Barnes and Noble locally. I like turned around the corner. He was turning around the corner. Neither one was paying attention. We slammed into each other. Um, nice guy. You got fantasy um, in my in my science fiction. <laughs> you got science fiction in my fantasy. In my fantasy. <gasps> Two it's great Star Wars. Um, <laughs> Two <laughs> great tastes. They great taste great together. Um, this line here. This the closing line in this email infuriates we me. We appreciate you greatly. Well, oh, okay. The last paragraph or the last, the second half of the last paragraph. Thank you in advance for your time and for your interest in Hypericon. Our con is only as successful as those who who lend their talents to us for the weekend. No, I'm not lending you my talent. I am paying to be at your, I'm paying. Share my talent. I'm paying to work at your convention. That's really not how that normally goes. No. Really, that isn't how it normally goes. I'd like to know, at the local movie theater, does the projectionist have to buy a ticket to work at the movie theater? I'm wondering, is is this a business model that I'm not familiar with? Well, if it is, I'm wondering why the movie theaters are having so much trouble and struggling right now. I don't get it. Because we keep hearing that they're struggling. I don't know. We went and saw Endgame Monday night. The kids basically blackmailed me. I wanted to hold out and watch Bolden first, but apparently I had to go and watch End, yeah. end Game. That's a se- I think that's a separate show, though. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah, that could be. But I gotta say, I um, I don't. It, it didn't feel like they were struggling financially. Uh, yeah, what, it really what, didn't. What, um, was your theater as full as mine? We had in the entire show. I think there was maybe a dozen empty seats. Yeah. And we went on a Monday night, which here in Utah. There's a strong um, LDS mm-hmm. uh, population, and Monday nights are a family night. So Monday nights are a great night to go to the movies because Mondays and Sundays, because pretty much only the non-Mormons are there. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was a Monday night, and we went to a well. It was I think it was seven thirty showing. Yeah. And yeah, there was like a dozen empty seats in in the yeah. uh, in the theater. Yeah, everything else was taken. So yeah, it was pretty full. It was pretty full. I mean, dozen seats is I would say about a quarter of the theater. Yeah, because it's one of those that has the reclining seats and everything. So yeah, 
there's a lot of other things that are going on behind the scenes in uh, the Nashville region that I wanted to talk to you about. But I think that since we're short on time, I think we might actually have to yeah. save that for later. But I think that because okay. because we've talked about this in earlier podcasts and we talked about mm-hmm. what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to like not ever talk about this again. Right. Um. But I think that it's important for for full disclosure. We said we were thinking about going. We we were invited to talk about the podcast at Hypericon. And then to get this in the mail after they invited. This you know what? It's like charging admission to your own birthday party. After you've invited people to your birthday party, then you charge them admission. That's kind of that's kind of sleazy. But there's a, there's some other background information that I think I, I want to invite some other people on and talk about this and, and go yeah. from there and maybe maybe do a special edition of the news of the week or have this as an episode of the radio um, show. Yeah, we should definitely talk to John. I, I would okay. I, I would like to actually get John on the podcast and see if whether or not he would like to um, share us share with us what what happened and what's going on um, because the thing is is that John has a wrinkle to this that I think is important that people ought to know um, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna compare this to the fire festival um, <laughs> that everybody should know about but it's starting to stink. Um, yeah, I don't think it's. I mean, the fire festival's on a completely different level. I mean, yeah. no one's spending thousands and thousands of dollars to go there. No, this is this is not really so much as a fire festival. It's more like a a match festival, I think, or <laughs> or a big lighter festival. I'm it's not a, sure. It's a spark festival. It's a spark it's a festival. Spark. <laughs> um, but I'm upset and I'm I'm angry and I'm disappointed about this and um. Uh, I, I w- and right here, um, we're recording this. It's ten forty four a.m., May sixteenth, uh, two thousand nineteen. I can tell you right now. Unless they come back and they, uh, unless unless they get back to me and they they apologize and say that I I mean if I mean unless I got it wrong and they're actually going to pay us thirty dollars a day to be there, I might I mean that's but that's insulting um but as of right now we're not we're not going to this and we're actually going to encourage people not to because and for a handful of things that um i've heard um no we're not so we're pulling the plug on this and because we mentioned this in earlier podcasts we are going to we're going to bring it up and and talk to you know i was going to you know because I entertain the idea of just not ever talking about and just let this cl- slowly disappear and go away. But uh, no, we're done. We're yeah. we're done. Yeah, that's the, that's probably for the best. Yep. So anyway, we need something upbeat. We need to. Uh, so have you already bought your plane tickets to China to do the, your investigative reporting into? Well, I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to say whether I've actually spent money or not, but I, I do know how much it costs to get there. Um, and it occurred to me as I was looking into this that I need to know when a funeral's happening. Exactly. It shouldn't be that and hard. I don't Just... know anyone in China. 
just hang out at the funeral parlors, and I'm sure. I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, there's a part of me that's like, you know, it's the second largest population in the fucking world. Chances are someone's dying every day over there. Chances right? are good. But, I don't think I don't you know, have... That's, that's, that's encountering a level of callousness I'm unfamiliar with, so <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling a little icky about it. Yeah. I mean, hell, there's a strip club up the street if I really wanted to. So. Yeah. Yep. All right, Jay. I could ask them to pretend to be at a Chinese funeral. Exactly. But no, no, you need... you. <laughs> we, we need this. We need journalistic integrity. That's right. Journalistic integrity. Yep. Yeah. I'll ask a girlfriend. Maybe she... I don't think she's ever been to China. We yes, absolutely. Maybe hey, you, there might be male strippers. You don't know. We don't know. They never said female. It never said female. It just said strippers. Yeah. So I can imagine someone going to going to a Chinese funeral and expecting to see at least a female stripper, and then there's some tranny up there going yep. waving their their yang wang, and you know it, it's yeah that could that could be disrupting. Yep. Or erotic. I mean, whatever you're into doesn't matter to me. Jay will come back next week with a full report, so stay tuned. <laughs> You've survived another podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Find out more about us by visiting our homepage, thefedorachronicles.com. You can support the show by visiting our Zazzle page. Exactly 12.5% of every purchase goes to keeping this and other shows on the Fedora Chronicles Network on the air. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Or you can become a Patreon. Click the link, and for a mere dollar a month, you will get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're working on, and so much more. Thanks for all your support in advance, and thank you to our listeners who have already contributed. Don't forget to search for the Fedora Chronicles on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we will be keeping you posted on what's happening. Be sure to join the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Fedora Chronicles News. On behalf of Jason and myself, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off. Keep your chins up and your fedoras on.